This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. I'm back. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. Good for you to be back and another presser. It feels like so long. It feels like ages, doesn't it? And forgive my tardy behaviour, shameful stuff. Well, no worries at all. We're we're ready to get back going on the League 2 grind. Yeah, and, and it's been one heck of a week because we've got to discuss actual news as opposed to uh, people who may or may not be injured. And we'll start that with McCurdy talk. Yeah, but I think the the main thing to come out from the McCurdy talk is that we've once again got very lucky with his suspension that it includes the EFL trophy. So out of his total of four games having been suspended this season already, he will uh, have had two of them come against teams he wouldn't have played against anyway. So massive win for Swindon in a band that feels like it was too short anyway. But yeah, he's out of the weekend, obviously, and won't be playing against Gillingham either, but is back after that. Yes, well, let's let's get down to business on this whole ban malarkey. So the FA published a short statement saying Swindon Town FC's Harry McCurdy has been given a three-match suspension and £1,500 fine for a breach of FA Rule E3. The forward admitted that his behaviour after being sent off in the 43rd minute of their League 2 fixture against Salford City on Saturday 6th of August 2022 was aggressive and improper. An independent regulatory commission imposed his sanctions during a 
subsequent hearing and the written reasons for its decisions will be published in due course. In more entertaining terms, uh, Sky Sports sources state that our beloved Harry was chucking things around the home changing room in anger when he noticed the official's changing room door was open, thinking that it must be halftime despite none of the active players being in the vicinity. He decided to go and confront uh, referee Andy Woolmer upon realising that the game was indeed still in play. A protein drink found itself all over the clothes of Andy Woolmer. So there we go. How do you feel about this? Before we go into the questions that were asked to Scott Lindsay, who did not enjoy those questions being asked by the tone that I detected. Um, I get that lots of people love footballers who aren't vanilla. We had Cy Ferry, right? Cy Ferry was able to be a cheeky chappy, but not do this sort of stuff. And Harry McCurdy saving grace, it feels to me, is that he's a goal scorer. And if this was pretty much any other member of this squad, fans wouldn't be so forgiving. You know, I've seen a lot of people call out like, well, if the referee wasn't rubbish, then, you know, this wouldn't happen. What's happening with the referee's punishment? Blah, 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 blah. No matter how you look at this, it's not a good look, is it? No, it's not a good look at all. I think it was it was pretty ridiculous. I remember hearing about this the first time, I think after the game, there was the rumours going around that he'd done it. And I could only assume that it was you know, false because it just felt like a parody of Harry McCurdy and not something an actual human would do. But uh, he has done it. Um, to be honest, I feel like free games is a very, very light ban for you know what is pretty stre- pretty pretty horrifying behaviour just to sort of have that level of disrespect for the official. The decision was debatable. I think you could probably say that the second yellow card was a bit harsh when you're already on a yellow the first one I think we all know without knowing the specifics was 100% accurate so you know I don't think the referee's done too much wrong we know McCurdy plays hot but this is the kind of thing why teams where he hasn't played as well for them their fans do not like McCurdy in the way that Swindon fans do because he's just going to get into these sort of shenanigans that just make no sense to anyone with with a head on their shoulders. As you mentioned, Ferry. Ferry was, you know, lovely and outspoken and he never did this sort of thing. His 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 antics were fairly self-contained. This is McCurdy letting his emotions get the best of him and now denying Swindon's best player for their next two games against teams who, in theory, could be up the top end come the end of the season in Stockport and Gillingham. These are two really top sides and without McCurdy, it becomes a lot more difficult for us in these games. And I think the real punishment here is to Swindon rather than to McCurdy. And I think that point was made about the sort of the fine being, you know, that he and the club would rather have it been a larger fine and a shorter game suspension because all this really does is detract from Swindon and McCurdy won't be pleased either because he's not playing, but you have to you have to stand up to this. And frankly, I think three games are just miles too short. Well, yeah, given the way we're setting up, I'm kind of relieved there's only three games, including a uh, Checker Trade, Papa John's, Johnson's Paint trophy game. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm horrified. I think it's just embarrassing. We seldom make the front page of the BBC football website, but we did this week and it was for that. 
like I said, it's not a good look. And I don't want to be all holy than thou. And like I said, I understand that we like a maverick, but the days of Robin Friday are long gone. And well, let's talk about the, the conversation with Scott Lindsay of this, because as I said earlier, I don't think he felt particularly comfortable talking about this situation. What what did Scott Lindsay say? Well, I think the key note here is actually the first thing we were told is that Scott Lindsay, I think this is the first time we've actually been briefed on an answer. Scott Lindsay would not talk about the incident. We were allowed to ask questions surrounding the fallout, but we weren't allowed to ask specifically about what McCurdy did because the club aren't going to comment on that. And Scott Lindsay obviously falls into that. So that was that was the first part that I think is key. And you know, Scott Lindsay, I, I felt like he... He was very light. There was the suggestion that obviously they've had this chat, and we were told they'd had a chat before about his about his behaviour, and he, you know, hopefully putting this behind him a little bit, and he would move on, kind of thing. But then also the first thing McCurdy did after the ban was brought in was put an inter- photo on Instagram of him sipping a, a a protein shake. So you know, lesson learned, I guess. But he's, you know, I felt like from Scott Lindsay's end, there was the main point was the the club feel like the FA punishment is sufficient and there won't be anything done on our end internally, which I find at least slightly surprising, unless they are doing things and just not telling us. Or they're worried about what his reaction would be if they did impose further punishment on him. Um, internally or certainly publicly as you imply there I think he's a complex character you know I, I hear a lot of stuff about one Harry McCurdy both at Swindon and in his previous spells and to say that you have to manage this guy very very carefully would be an understatement. There's a reason that Ben Garner was the first guy to really get the best out of McCurdy he takes a lot of managing and a lot of understanding I think a lot of managers especially at League 2 level they're quite you know, proper football men, old, old school types who just aren't going to put up with that. And so that, you know, if McCurdy was had the attitude of some other footballers, he would probably be in the championship right now rather than in League Two, because we know he has the talent to do that. Well, maybe Harry McCurdy has run out of episodes of the high performance podcast that Garner, I think, uh, recommended it. Could it be now time to bring Jake Humphrey in on a permanent basis? Well, he's got to find something to replace it, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, next question. And this was a press conference attended by yourself representing Total Sports Swindon. And Johnny Leefield of the advertiser was there. And of course, Andrew Hawes of BBC Radio Swindon. The next question was, well, it's not the next question, but there was a question about whether the ban on McCurdy has accelerated the search for a new centre forward, what's happening here? Yeah, this is a question that you have to ask again, and like every week, it's an it's an answer that you know is going to come back. Obviously, no. I think if any club admitted to changing their transfer plans based on what is essentially a very short term uh, change to their fortunes with McCurdy being out for what essentially amounts to two games because he was never going to play against Crystal Palace under twenty ones anyway. So obviously, you know, Scott Lindsay's come out and said no. The, the striker stuff is, you know, the answer is the same as it was last week. We're still looking, we're still having conversations. We're bringing down that skinny market. Uh, knock, knock a shot back when you hear him say that in in the press conferences. 
we're we're still working where we are. It doesn't change what they're looking for. It doesn't change the timelines for how they're trying to get players in the door. They are, and what is essentially a sensible recruitment strategy in the way that the best clubs in these areas operate is you try and find the players that are right for you. And if they aren't available, you don't sign someone for the sake of it. Because if you sign people without believing they're the best position, that's just short termism. And Swindon are trying to look a little bit further down the road at the moment. That's fair enough, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think it's the way you have to operate where we've got these two year contracts we're handing out these days. If we suddenly bring in, you know, a 28 year old who's been carted out of a League One club who we hadn't heard of until, um, you know, last week, a bit Casemiro like of a signing, then you're just suddenly falling into old habits and trying to do things the wrong way. And I think you get longer term success by sticking to a plan, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, the final word really on Harry McCurdy in terms of the transfer market is this week he was again linked to more teams uh, Hibernian being one of those now this wasn't discussed in the presser but I, I don't think in the lower leagues especially with more professional outlets there's as much sling a name out pull out a team and there's your there's your transfer rumour, like what you can get higher up. He is being sort of genuinely linked consistently to teams like Hibs and, and Luton. And you have to ask who's doing that work, you know, if it's not just outright lies by, by the media, which I don't suspect it to be the case, then it's got to be coming from the McCurdy camp. Can you see McCurdy leaving in, in the coming week or... Do you think he, he probably might want to leave or do you think it's just pre-deadline day nonsense? I can definitely see Harry McCurdy leaving. I can see Swindon being increasingly open to the possibility of Harry McCurdy leaving. I would be surprised if it's Hibbs. I just don't see that as a major step up and not really something he would maybe want to do. I think Luton in the Championship would make a lot of sense. It's another club that's not too far from London, so he can still keep his... Chelsea lifestyle going but you know if they were to come in with a realistic offer for him I could definitely see him wanting to do that and wanting to leave I I don't know where the rumours necessarily come from you know these things will always come from one person's end it probably makes the most sense if it comes from Camp McCurdy and his agent agency although from what I've heard from someone who's had a chat with McCurdy his agent isn't necessarily someone who's actively working to pursue his fortunes maybe or hasn't been in the past so i i don't know i don't know how real these are but the fact that the names come up more than once leads you to believe that there is maybe something there and if there is a realistic offer i think especially with the with what's happened over the past couple of weeks i think swindon would be open to the possibility of seeing him leave because he is becoming may he's maybe starting to slip towards more trouble than he's worth even though he has scored twice in the last twice he scored two goals last week and is maybe starting to look more like himself in this team yeah it's not necessarily what he does in the 90 minutes it's it's all the other bits and pieces isn't it but uh, i'm sure we'll be talking about harry mccurdy a lot in the next week so we'll move on we'll keep on the uh the transfer talk though um there was a question about any other potential signings coming in from other positions coming in to play in other areas 
he was quite coy on this, wasn't he, Scott Lindsay? Yeah, I guess that the whole striker route came from that first pre-match press conference where he said they were only looking for a striker. And we haven't really followed up since saying if there was anything else that they were working on. And he was, he was, he did say that they were looking at another position. Um, uh, he said that, or I can't remember his exact words, but they were cryptic, but obvious that they are looking elsewhere at the moment. The obvious, the obvious suggestion would be a potentially it would be a right back or maybe another winger where. Um, I think Johnny was on was doing a Q and A this morning, and those are the positions that he talked about potentially being lighter with the shift to a a different formation since the start of the season. We are a bit lighter in those two areas, so that would that would be the natural assumption. But they are working to do things. Although I think this one is because it's maybe a different uh, problem than maybe they thought they had at the start of the season. This one is very much if something comes along that we like that we've is a player that we've looked at in the past and it becomes available at the right level for us. That's something we would do more than with a striker where I think we're very much, we need to get one in. It's the matter of finding the right one and maybe having to compromise somewhere in the deal. I think this one would very much be on our terms if we were to bring someone in. One thing that isn't going to happen is that they're not going to bring a, a player for the sake of signing a player, are they? No, again, that's back to what I was talking about before and how Swindon is trying to do business with you know, you don't want to sign someone because they are available or, I mean, if unless they were someone that you wanted anyway. I think you look a lot with, with Liverpool, who are always seen as the gold standard. They don't sign a player unless the player they specifically wanted is available. They waited six months on Van Dijk, got him in, changed the team. So if Swindon are trying to think the same way, admittedly a lot lower down, and that list is probably going to be a bit longer than just the one player. So it might be four or five. He spoke last week, maybe possibly about 20 strikers that they were looking at and they would be potentially happy with if they if things worked in their favor so they would be working off of those lists and if something happens and they're not wanted by their club or you know they they want out to get more game time potentially then Swindon would swoop and act quickly but that all that's going to have to happen in the next week because I believe the deadline is next Thursday so I don't know if we'll be actually speaking to Scott Lindsay on deadline day next week ahead of Gillingham. But yeah, I think there's going to be some action soon. One suspects it will be a morning presser and a very quick one <laughs> at that. Outgoings was discussed more so young players going out on loan. I'll be surprised if anyone goes before Palace on Tuesday night in the in the Papa John's because it just seems like the perfect opportunity to give them one more run out before they're sent all over the shop. Well, there's absolutely no pressure on getting the deal done here because the National League, the National League South, where you would imagine the players that we're thinking we could maybe do without the time being, we've better served elsewhere, don't have the same deadline. They can still bring in loan players pretty much whenever they want. Obviously, we saw Ricky Aguiar, Harry Parsons, Modabra, Harrison Minton all play at Chippenham last year. Uh, potentially, you would like to see Parsons or... I don't know if Aguiar would go out. I would be a bit surprised. But someone like that maybe take a step up from that level into the National League at somewhere like Yeovil, for example. Uh, you would be able to wait longer than that. So you can easily wait until after Palace and you don't even have to send them before Thursday. That can happen whenever we want. I remember last season speaking to Mike Cook for the non-league paper, who was obviously chipping a manager until recently. And he had a personal relationship with Scott Lindsay. 
So that was partial, that was you know helping the Chippenham link, and maybe there were more players going there than would happen before. He's not there now, so maybe they wouldn't all go to Chippenham. You might see someone at Bath City or at Hungerford or someone like that. But yeah, those the outgoings were certainly looking younger because he's not going to say, yeah, we're getting rid of Lewis Ward. He wanted out, kind of thing. But we'll see some of the younger players go out. Potentially, some others might stay around if we feel like we're weaker in some areas. Or I remember again linking to the Swindon advertiser and the Q and A this morning. There was a reference to Anton Dwarzak. I would imagine at his age, someone like that would be better served just staying around at Swindon. But I would be surprised if Harry Parsons and players of that ilk, um, Oliver Massey as well, were here for much longer, more beyond sort of the two to three week range, and they would go out and play somewhere. Who do you want at Bath City, Joe? Oof, tough to say. I've not actually seen Bath City this season, so I can't say where the gaps would necessarily be. Uh, Mo Dabra has links there, so it'd be nice for him to go back, and he often likes Bath City Instagram posts, so I think he would quite like to as well. So that would be that would be useful. <laughs> there, make it happen. You know, ask those questions, do your thing, Joe. <laughs> Let's go towards more relevant questions ahead of the Stockport County game. Injuries wise, promising things emerging from the club in this. Yeah, I think a very good update for us, really. When we've had weeks and weeks of the same three, we're now down to just the one, which is obviously Elise Andalo. He will be Swindon's possibly longest ever ever serving player, but he'll have been injured for all of those seasons um, by the time his career comes to an end, I would imagine. Uh, he's still out. There was no date given to that. But and I think slightly surprisingly, because we'd maybe thought that Devine was further away than Iandolo, Reese Devine is back in training at the moment. He, I think he was essentially ruled out of starting. I would be unbelievably surprised if he was even on the bench at Stockport. But he is. Yes. He has been training today. I don't think he's been training the rest of the week, but he was involved today and was doing fine and is back involved and would probably be more of a target. Maybe playing 20 minutes, half an hour against Crystal Palace, possibly back in contention against Gillingham. We'd, I don't know. I'm not on the training ground. I don't know about his specific progress, but that would make sense as a timeline and then Kieran Brennan is 100% back ready ready for selection he's passed all of their tests which technically speaking he did do before but we hope with the extra time he's had that he would be you know properly passing those tests this time played and trained all week looking very good and ready for selection at Stockport so good news on the Brennan front splendid yeah absolutely the question was asked about whether this was uh, a great opportunity for Tommy Adeloy uh, <laughs> but the reaction um, that Andrew got on this was uh, typical Scott Lindsay. Yeah, I said on the live blog, I think this is just Scott being Scott rather than anything necessarily against Tommy Adeloy because he could have said, you know, this is a chance for Johnny Williams and he'd probably say, you picked in the team, um, which was obviously the response. Um, I, I, I would be interested to see how he works if we do start with Tommy Adeloy, I must say, because... Jacob Wakeling has done so well down the middle that you wouldn't necessarily want to shunt him out to one side. Although it is obviously a possibility. I would be surprised if he couldn't play out there and maybe move Adeloy down the middle. But um, he was, there was a very vague answer given to who could step up into the McCurdy role. Personally, I don't think we necessarily have anyone who does the same things as Harry McCurdy. He's probably more of a talking role wise and inside forward where he plays off of the right, but he's looking to get 
into central areas where he can get his goals because that's obviously what McCurdy likes doing. From what I've seen of Tyree Shade, he's probably more of a classic winger, wants to stay wide and put balls in the box. We did get the revelation about, well, I'd say revelation. You could probably see it in the way that he plays. Romeo Hutton could potentially play higher up. I'm not sure, because obviously he dropped Hutton for Darcy, which I was very surprised by because I've been impressed by Romeo Hutton so far. But maybe he sees him a bit like Shade as more of a wingback than a fullback, even if he's more traditionally played deeper. And But he could play higher up a bit like Mandela Egbo did a few times last season. I believe he played on the wing against Harrogate. Um, so, you know, that, that is an option, uh, much like he was somewhat, dis- I, don't, I don't want to say disparaging, but dismissive of the suggestion that Adeloye was definitely be the man to fill McCurdy's shoes. He said the same about, uh, Harry Parsons and the younger players who could potentially step up as well. They, they were, you know, also no specifics given about them. It was just mostly enough of an opportunity to wax lyric about Jacob Wakeling, which I think may be a, uh, may be a message if anyone actually any of the players actually read his post pre-match comments, just please work hard because I like that. Yes, I, I think um, that's very, very true. And Adeloy's sort of heart sinking as, as a question about him turns into a question and turns into an answer about Wakeling. Um, I half expected him to say, you know, Key and Harry's can play up there if he <laughs> wants to, you know, when, when... We'll never know. It was asked what the mood of the squad was like ahead. I think it was a question. It kind of just went down that road at one point. And there was also a progress report because obviously some of the players came in quite late. We've been, we've, you guys have been asking this question quite often. You know, Angus McDonald, Saidu Khan came in quite late, perhaps lacking match fitness. So there was an update there too, wasn't there? Yeah, we are pretty desperate to know exactly the match fitness percentage, what that little heart, um, icon is in Football Manager, how full that is for those two. Um, I would imagine by this point, having what Saidu Khan would have played three or four 90 minutes by now, Angus McDonald has played pretty much every game, I think every minute of every game so far in the league. So I would think those two would be fine. And obviously by by starting games and playing minutes more so than uh, certainly Tommy Adeloy. And uh, they played... Well, uh, Khan and Hutton have probably played a similar amount, but you know maybe a, a bit more match sharpness than those two have at this point. And it's just very much, it gives them a boost up in learning the system, which is something that I've talked about and was battered away for asking about if people were 100% secure on the system. But he's, 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 he's walked it back and he's looking to say, oh, well, you know, people are still learning. Joe's been knows best. Um, and he's... <laughs> he's um, and th- those players are developing all the time. It's, again, one of the answers we've got a lot is that um, you know, the mood in the camp's great. Everyone's training well. Uh, they're getting better every game. And once again, they very much are getting better every game. I wasn't at Rochdale because of the train strikes, but I was watching intently because I was writing a match report for the PA anyway. Um, and it did feel like, feel like Swindon played a lot better once again. And every single game, we're getting better. So... Even if the answers do seem quite boring, I think you are seeing it on the pitch. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Stockport County then, managed by Dave Challoner. People of a certain generation will remember those long throws, assistant Clint Hill. They have had quite a disappointing start to their season. I think when I looked at their fixtures, well, their results, sorry, I kind of instantly thought of Phil Brown constantly talking about, you know, that any given Sunday, Al Pacino 
game of inches quote because they've lost four and won one. But they've only lost by one goal in all of those games that they've lost. And indeed, the one that they did win, they only scored one more than Colchester. So yeah, they've lost to Barrow. They've lost to Stevenage. They've lost to Doncaster. They've lost to Mansfield. Uh, But they beat Colchester, as mentioned there before. A lot of talk, including during this presser, about the fact that they played in midweek. They took Leicester City to penalties. But looking at the lineup against Mansfield in comparison to the lineup against Leicester, it looks like they made seven changes. So the narrative of them being tired might not work here. I've always sort of kind of teased Scott Lindsay for his um, analysis of the opposition in these presses. It was much better. And he was holding back from saying, and I heard your little rant, your little dig about him saying the good side that play the ball. Well, it's just a bit of fun, Joe. (laughs) But he tried so hard to avoid saying they move the ball well, but he just fell into the trap at the end. And I was like, oh, Scott. But yeah, good, good side, good players play the ball well, but there was a lot more detail in this one, wasn't there? To give the the narrative end, which is certainly my bit, uh, more credit, he did have to be pushed twice to be able to give any sort of uh, answer on what's, what Stockport are about, because his first answer was they're a, t- cert- they're a team who play a certain style of play very well. I think what we'll see with Stockport, and Johnny asked about this, this was, they were the pre-season favourites for League 2. They they will be disappointed with this start, but I think it's something you could have seen coming because I think if you look at teams like Salford and teams who come up from the National League who are obviously, well, uh, you know, they've got a lot of budget behind them and they've pretty much blitzed the league below. They come up thinking things are going to be slightly easier than they are, even if the step isn't that big. And maybe they come into themselves more during the season. Um you know, Stockport have had a poor start. They'll be disappointed with that. They had a, they didn't beat Leicester, but they had a pretty encouraging result uh, midweek, taking them all the way to penalties. But you know, this is this is a good team. There are a lot of brand name players in there, like Anthony Sarsalik, who didn't get a name check, which I was slightly surprised about. Paddy Madden, who is someone Tom Clayton's excited to play against, as we now know. Um, you know, this is a this is a really good team. What they brought in um, Waterfall, I believe, from. From, New- from Northampton as well. So this is this is a really strong side in terms of names. They were, as you said, Dave Challoner is a really good manager. He's got two sides up to this level now, Hartlepool and Stockport. And this is, as you say, he did he did try and shy away from saying they play the ball well, but did eventually get there. And then said that they could also mix up because they've got Kyle Wooten, who was fantastic in the National League last season for Notts County and was in this sort of, I want all of the good National League players run that Stockport had over the summer was one of the players they hoovered up. So this is a team who, according to Scott Lindsay, can can play it out and they're quite expansive play through the thirds, but can also go long into their bigger, more physical strikers and mix it up that way. I think Swindon will, will hopefully in the way Swindon play, will force them to do that more than they might want to if they are able to suffocate them a bit more with, with our possession style of play. But this is a team that, like every other side, Scott Lindsay is Scott Lindsay is positive on. But as I previously explained, he also can't say anything else. <laughs> yeah, it was a Fraser Horsfall, wasn't it, that they signed That's from Northampton? I, great... I knew there was yeah, four yeah, in there. No, he had a he had a great season with them, and it was it's one of those classic signings where fans of other clubs, probably mostly Northampton, to be fair, um, get their air off because. Uh, 
they've had the audacity to afford somebody <laughs> and um fair, fair play to stockport really because yes they've got a budget but they had to go up against wrexham's budget last year and well they, they went up and wrexham didn't and there are a few you know there's, there's a few clubs at that level that would probably get promoted if they were in league two but you know that that division is notoriously difficult to negotiate so yeah i I, I never get the the logic of team with money sign player that we've heard of shock you know most of the players they've signed in pre-season bar horseball have all come from the national league from talking talking and um, carl wooden from notts county and one lad from York who hasn't played yet. And then Callum Cantz has come in from Fleetwood too. But I think, did he come in in the summer? Callum Cantz? I'm not sure. But yeah, um, it, it is one of those things, isn't it, with teams that come up and it goes without saying, if you've got your budget, you become fancied and then every every bugger wants to beat you, don't they? So um, I'm sure they'll come good at some point. And their form, if it was Swindon, there'll be a lot of people saying, look, we're, we're, we're only losing by one goal. We're getting there slowly but surely. And I'm, I'm sure they won't be a million miles behind very, very shortly. I think, you know, that wouldn't be the reaction if Swindon were losing by one goal every time. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there would be a very loud reaction from one side, but there would absolutely be a reaction from the other saying, don't worry, it's fine. Um, let's, let's listen to your questions. Let's. To Stockport again, obviously they played midweek against Leicester, went to penalties, probably a bit of a draining game. What impact do you think that has on how they can approach the game? And what does that mean for your game well, no game, no, no, nothing really. There'll be no kind of difference really for me. You know, they'll they'd have recovered in time for Saturday. They'd have planned their way of uh, attacking the game Saturday. Um, if you used to ask me whether I would sooner have a clear week going into a Saturday, yeah, I would. So there's a little bit of a, a positive with that and a negative on their part. But I'm sure they've they've done things right in terms of. Um, recovered and prepped accordingly. You know, it's no, it's no different from kind of what we did last week. Um, so yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's no pressure because my question was actually about Tom Clayton. So uh, don't feel any eyes there. Um, he, he probably, obviously didn't start the season. It felt like this may be me reading into things too much. He was maybe sort of fifth choice coming to start the season with the way you played against uh, Cardiff and Harrogate. Um, did you want to ease him into professional football a lot, um, given that he hadn't played that much coming here? And how have you made of his, what have you made of his start so far? Well, he certainly wasn't fifth choice um, for a start. Um, he, played, he played his first game and he played his first game very well. Um, and I felt that he looked very mature in his performance. Um, did all the horrible things really well. Um, can certainly handle, handle the football, played some good passes and, and he's kept his place. You know, um, He'll have a great career, he'll have a, he'll have a fantastic career, he's a great kid as well, brilliant around the place and, uh, and I'm really pleased we've got him here at this football club. Thank you. Yeah, this draining experience of Leicester City, you fell into the trap here, <laughs> didn't you? They, they made loads of changes. Yeah, I couldn't be bothered to look at their team, but they, they played midweek and you, you expect, well, that's because... You're a more dedicated follower of the Swindon Fortunes than I. Uh, but, you know, you have to think that because the, the League Cup not having extra time has helped them a little bit because obviously it was a nil-nil draw and they went to penalties. But, you know, even the players who would have played and players on the bench, it's emotionally quite draining to play 
a team like Leicester and come that close and then, frankly, bottle it badly on penalties. Um, so, you know, there is the idea that they would they would be struggling a little bit. And even if they aren't, you know, even if most of their players didn't play, they would have been preparing like they were playing a normal game. They wouldn't have had, you know, their normal players in training. Things would have been different. A bit like Swindon playing a normal midweek game. They might not have played, but they would still be preparing in that. So they do have a less less time to actively watch Swindon and counteract our our positive traits. Less certainly less than Swindon will have done. Can it be seen as a catalyst in in another way though? It can be, and this is always the um, you know you look back on these things and they are decided after the fact whether or not they helped. Yes. And yeah. if if Leicester, if they kick on, then playing a side like Leicester and getting a bit of belief out of that was a good thing. If it deflates them a bit and they go continue to not get results, then they it didn't matter or it counted against them. The, these things are tough to judge in the moment. Yes, a very good point. Now, your next question was about Tom Clayton, who, lo and behold, <laughs> is the the guest in this presser. Uh, was that deliberate or were you scrambling? I don't call it against Dave Rixton, but my plan going in was to ask about uh, Tom Clayton. And this was not a scrambling. This was the question that I wanted to ask him because of how he'd come into the team over recent games because of circumstances of Brennan and Baudry in particular, but he had taken his chance very well. And then after I decided to ask it second because of the last question being about Stockport, Right as he was finishing answering my first question, Tom Clayton walks into the room and I go, bollocks. But um, I asked it anyway. And um, after he finished, Scott Lindsay said it was all lies. Uh, but I believe that was that was just so Tom Clayton didn't get a big head. Oh, wow. You, you've got to prevent that, don't haven't you? Um, so Tom Clayton comes in the room and it's a very quick fire <laughs> Q&A with him. He was asked about... The step up because Tom Clayton, although he'd played in the Football League trophy, I think that's the third different thing I've referred to that tournament as. What a farce. He's played in that with Liverpool under 21s, so no loan spells before Swindon. He was asked about the step up and if there were any surprises. These are your sort of, you say it's a quick five QA. He was rattling off your footballer answers and yes. being, being done with it. You know, there had been a step up, but he felt that he had the right players around him, like Baudry and McDonald, to try and help mentor him. and Ease that, um, ease that step up, which is what I was asking Scott Lindsay about, really, in terms of, you know, if the, if he wants to migrate, you know, migrate him in slower because of his lack of first team experience, and you know, Tom Clayton has said that he has found the step up interesting, but it was something that he was after at this point in his career because of that lack of real playing time whilst at whilst at Liverpool. I don't think a permanent move was necessarily everything he wanted. I just got this feeling that, you know, he might have expected a loan move, but this came through and, you know, he wants to be playing games. He didn't say that outright, but he just got that sort of, he said one thing in that that made me feel that way. He was asked about the pressures of senior football, because of course in under 21s, it's all about development. It's not necessarily about points, is it? And um, then, of course, there's things like bonuses and cool stuff like that. But he was quite quick to say that his, his mindset hasn't changed. Yeah, for Tom Clayton, the game is maybe about development, but for the him, they were about winning. And that, that, <laughs> that's how he goes about things. And that obviously hasn't changed. Uh, was, was the point in it which you thought he was maybe thinking about alone where 
he didn't want to commit to Swindon in the long term and just said, wherever I'm playing games. Because that was the bit where That's I thought, maybe, yeah. he doesn't want to be here at all. He wants to be on loan at Tranmere. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. But I, I don't want to do him dirty like that because, you know, he was he was lovely and polite. He said everything. But, you know, there was just little, sort of little, well, okay, cool. But it doesn't matter because he's sharing with a fellow Liverpudlian in Roland Darcy, isn't he? Yeah, that was, uh, these were, as I put in the live blog, this was your main scoop, was that Ronan Darcy is, is living with Tom Clayton. I imagine they were, they came in at a similar time. I think they signed in the same week, actually. So they you know, probably moving to Swindon at the same time, maybe did the announcement together and they, uh, after living in Swindon for a bit, decided to live with, live with each other, which is very nice. We also got the, the knowledge that Ronan Darcy is now called Gary Neville, having had to play <laughs> at right back, which which was lovely. Good to see again. Good to see inside the dressing room. A lot of Ronan Darcy playing at right back stick in this, wasn't there? <laughs> which, as a fullback, I reject. But there was a lot of there was a lot of Darcy chat for a for a Clayton interview. I must say, <laughs> it really was, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, I, I, there, there were a few more questions, but you know, if I if I rattle off, you know, so much of it, it's just I'm happy to be playing. The result against Rochdale was much needed. Interesting points there is that, you know, he's looking at the veterans of the squad like Angus McDonald and Matthew Baldry um, for guidance. Yeah. Is it mean to say that I was kind of thinking doing the live blog, can I be bothered to write all of this? Because I really like Tom Clayton. I think he's a really good player. And I think there is someone in there who we can sell on for good money before long. And he was very polite, but... I think when you come through these Premier League academies, and we talked about McCurdy on the other end of the scale, but you say what you say and it doesn't make headlines for a reason because they don't want it to. And Tom Clayton was very very courteous and he was polite and answered all of the questions, but there was there was nothing particularly juicy other than the Darcy stuff, which is why it got focused on a bit. Yeah. Well, here's your questions, which include the McDonald and Baudry chat. Yay. Being in your sort of first senior season, what has it been like learning off players like Angus MacDonald and Matthew Bowdry, who you already mentioned, as how have they helped you and what has that experience been like? Uh, they've obviously helped me, they've communicated a lot to me, but I sometimes just try and just watch them from a distance and how they conduct themselves on and off the pitch. I think you just pick up little traits that they have and you just try and think, oh yeah, I'll try and implement that into my routine and my day. Yeah, and having been captain at Liverpool under 23s, well... Do you feel like you take that leadership role on, even though you've stepped into guys who maybe played a bit more? Um, I think that's kind of, I like to think that's part of my game, my communication. So um, I'm not going to change that wherever I play. So I try and bring that wherever I'm playing, whether it's here or whether it was Liverpool 23s. I do like to communicate, which I think can only benefit me and the team. Are you doing your best to help Darcy in his new role with that kind of element? Yeah, I don't think he could hear me on Saturday when the atmosphere was going, but no, I was screaming at him a few times when he was trying to bomb forward but no yeah i enjoy it thanks tom cheers thank you and there was so there's 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 the chat about mcdonald and baudry and you also asked about captaincy traits which is obviously what he was known for at liverpool under 21s as their skipper yeah i believe that was i remember when he just signed or when i'd been told he was about to sign that evening i read read up on tom clayton and about his uh, i think there was an article in the sun or the daily mail where he uh, sort of a youth scout had looked at him and his leadership traits was definitely one of the one of the main things that picked out about his play as a as a younger player as being notable. So obviously he'd been captain. I think that was it's one of those things where oh he's captain of this age group, that means he's good. But it's not like youth football for 
in the park kind of thing. It's not just the best player is captain, stroke the manager's son. Um, it is, I think there's a bit more looked into it, who's captain. And obviously Clayton filled those, filled that role. And, has, and you know, I think he's very talkative on the field. We can see that already. And even though he is one of the more junior players, he does keep that up whilst he's at Swindon, which is which is good for his long-term future and is something that I think other clubs would look at. And we have to think in terms of selling these days because that is the state of game. That's something another club higher up would look at and think this is a desirable as- asset in a player. Absolutely. And finally, he was asked about Stockport and the likes of Paddy Madden, as you mentioned earlier. And, well, as he said, it's why I'm here. Yeah, he's he's not played these... Well, he, he played in the EFL Trophy, but he wouldn't have played a player like Paddy Madden before, I would imagine. Or, you know, these sort of experienced football league strikers who maybe have that sort of nous on top of him. and But it is something that if you're going to play in the football league, you're going to have to get used to. And he seemed excited. There was, there was definitely nothing behind the eyes that told me this was just for show or one of the sort of off... Off of the um, the off of the preordained draft table of of answers, he did genuinely seem quite excited to be able to pit his wits against a player like that, and he was he's ready to go, and it will be exciting to watch that clash at the weekend as well. It surely will. So, what are we going for then? I'm going to go for Stockport County two. Swindon Town 2. I think we've got goals, as we've shown in recent weeks, but we're still quite leaky at the back. Stockport always score, so I'm going 2-2 draw. See, I wanted to go for a draw, but now I, I don't want to say the same, even though I could sort of park the bus and just ride out these predictions things. I'm going to say exciting. I'm going to go 3-2 to Swindon. I'll take it all day long, as always. I'm hoping for you to be right on that. Finally... Swindon Town women are at home this weekend to Larkhall Athletic Sunday at 2pm. Foundation Park, adults £3.65 plus £1 under 16s free as are Trust and OAC members. Yeah, geographically Larkhall is the closest club to where I grew up. So in many ways it's, it's a lovely clash between two different parts of me and everyone go down there if you can because it'll be a great experience. Need to Need to back the women's side. Absolutely, we do. Well, there we go. That's another one. We're not going to do one for the Papa Johns, are we? We're not. We're not going to do a presser, surely. Um, I will be doing a press conference. If you want to do a press for it, then then we can. I um I don't have to. I don't particularly mind. We'll take this negotiation off Mike, but it is the end of the transfer window. So, if there's some juicy stuff, then let's talk about it. Until then, though, Joe, thank you very much. Speak to you soon. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of The Presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble? Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.